Hi, I'm Anas. And I'm Grace. We love the Wheel of Time fandom, and we love talking about why it's so special. Our mission is to give back to the fandom through projects that amplify the fun and camaraderie. I thought it was we make people cry. Mm, yeah, but in a good way. This, This is, is The Light's Work. work. Hello and welcome back to The Light's Work. This is Grace and I am here, as always, with my very audible friend, Anas. How are you doing tonight, Anas? I'm doing great. Uh, and this is, you know, that strange kind of excitement, nervousness. You know, we've done this almost a year now. So we thought, hey, let's coming up to the first anniversary of us doing this podcast. We need We need something special for that episode. Yes. So we have some really special guests with us tonight to help us celebrate our anniversary. We have the amazing, talented, well-loved within our fandom, audiobook readers, Kate Redding and Michael Kramer. Welcome to our podcast. It's lovely to be here. Yes. We're so happy to have you. And thank you for celebrating our anniversary with us. Um, it's really special that you're here specifically uh, because I'm not sure if you know this, but you were part of one of our very first Lights Work projects. We had you read The Legend of the Dusty Wheel, <laughs> <laughs> which we co-wrote as a, a, tri a tribute to The Dusty Wheel, which is where a lot of us met and came together for the first time. And we used your voices in our video and we got a bunch of other contributors. And after that, the rest is history. We just continued to work together and started the podcast. So thank you for being part of that. You're welcome. And it's amazing how all roads lead to Matt Hatch. <laughs> <laughs> This is very true. Very yeah. true. We have some questions for you, but, you know, we're up to talk about whatever. We're just happy to have you here. Um, one thing, you know, that I think we mentioned to you before we had you join us is that this podcast is all about the fandom. That's what we talk about. We uh, celebrate the fandom. We have people from the fandom join us. We try to figure out why the fandom is so amazing. Um, so we kind of usually start with people's origin story. So obviously we know your origin story in terms of, Um, starting to read The Wheel of Time. You started back in 1996, recording on cassette tapes. Um, did you have any contact with the fandom back then? Did you ever get fan mail? Was there any sort of communication? No, not really. But I wanted to preface our conversation by saying, you know, one of the reasons we do these podcasts is to support books to prisoners. And so thank you for having us on and giving us an opportunity to fundraise for them. Yes. Thank you for mentioning that. That was on our list, but at the bottom. So <laughs> Anna, we'll do you want to ask about that? that? <laughs> we'll no, come we can back ask about it. it now. We'd love to. <laughs> no, let's come back to that okay, because okay. it's oh, chronologically okay. it fits later. Okay. okay. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> but you, you, you kind of mentioned that Uh, you didn't have any contact with the fandom, but as you were reading the books for the audiobooks, did you know people who had also read the books? Was there anyone else that you would maybe, or was it just like, Michael, did you read this part? Or, you know, <laughs> was it just the two of you that were, you know, at times discussing? Because that is one of the, the core 
um, you know, thing that brings us together is just talking about these books. We were sharing a booth. We had a box of paperback books. We had no clue what we were doing. <laughs> I didn't know anybody else who knew about the Wheel of Time. Yeah, wow. it was. It was. Um, uh, I, and to a certain degree, I think the reason that we got the call was because, because he, because Robert Jordan was insisting on uh, a male and female points of view, and that just was not done in those days because of the of the logistics, um, because we were still recording on reel-to-reel before it was, you know, dubbed off to cassettes. And to to have to splice things together was almost impossible. Nowadays, it's like you just highlight a file and cut and paste and it's all put together. But back then, it was much more. It had to be linear. Um, And so, yeah, I was was a fairly... uh, I read a lot of science fiction when uh, through high school and, and early college, and then not a whole lot for a while. Um, so this series was uh, not on my radar uh, until I started reading it. Did you think that reading you know, the books and then doing the audiobooks would lead to what you're experiencing now with the, the, the community that you're, you're now part of. Was there any idea that this is special that you're doing, that you, what you're doing right now? No clue. <laughs> no, I mean, no clue. No clue. I mean, we were in a vacuum. It wasn't until social media became more of a way to communicate and then we created a Facebook page, and then we got on Twitter, and then we got on Instagram. You know, and that was when we started hearing from people. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, we're part of this enormous thing, and we have no idea. Yeah, I think, I don't, I don't recall even seeing any, I'm trying to think when Audible actually started. That was after like 2008-ish. Mm. Yeah. Because we were part of the conversation with the people at Audible when they were considering setting up ACX. Yeah, I I think the interaction with with the fans, um, for me, the the big thing, and I've told this story any number of times, was I think Memory of Light had just gone out. It was like two or three days uh, after the release date. And there was that yeah, a number of yeah, there was two other reviews that were very uh, flattering, and then this uh, I guess you'd call him a young man. For me, it was a young man got on and basically talked about the life story that you know he was dyslexic and ready to drop out, somewhat suicidal. Someone um, gave him the audio book of the Wheel of Time and. He got hooked and then, you know, started, you know, to get into the story to the point where he was determined to teach himself to read. So he bought the print book, followed, you know, listened to us as we were doing it. And that, you know, basically taught him to read. And then basically it saved his life um, in his in his eyes and mind. Uh, But we were kind of isolated from most of the fans because amazingly if any letters came in for the most part they went to the publisher not to us because there was like a firewall between uh, us and 
uh, everybody else, or they or the letters would go to the author. But we rarely uh, received any notice from the fandom, and then all of a sudden, now that you know you can see some things on Audible, but the explosion of of, of blogs and uh, YouTube channel uh, material, things like this show, the Dusty Wheel, where you can have you, you meet people, it was just it didn't exist. Um, much like the computer didn't exist in our household until like several, several volumes into the series, uh, you 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 kind of feel like you're a dinosaur when you say, "Yeah, when when long distance cost you money." Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's interesting, you know. You you mentioned that, but um, we've talked to a lot of people who've the the wheel of time. Uh, has brought them together and we're like well so when did you first meet and they were like oh it was on a website in 1998 and it's just like <laughs> wow you know even back then there were um you know people meeting up and then going to signings and going to conventions that that, that were happening you know years ago and how that has evolved to now what you've just mentioned all these all this content and all this, uh, all the community. Do you recall, I mean, you mentioned the Memory of Light, um, you know, when it came out. Uh, do you recall the first time you met a group of fans that were like, you know, Michael and Kate, you know, we, we've listened for, to you forever. You know, we're so happy to meet you. Do you remember that? So so that would have been the reading that we did at, uh, was it Anne Arundel Mills? Yeah. So... Brandon Sanderson was doing a book signing at um it's like an outlet mall. Yeah. Um fairly close to us. Yeah. And um they had no idea what they were dealing with because there were people lined up around the entire outlet. I mean, it was <laughs> right. It was ridiculous. We drove up, parked, yeah, we parked in the lot and as we we're walking into this massive mall, there's this line of people outside the mall um standing and we were like wow i wonder what's going on and we walked in <laughs> and we found it was a books a million which is a big bookstore you know it was a, like a, a barnes and noble essentially uh yeah. and um and there's it's packed and this line of people goes from there all the way outside the mall and then we got ushered back and and met with uh, Brandon and uh, and got ready. And then we were put on one table after we did the reading. We were put on one table, and then there was the Brandon and I think Harriet were on the on the other table. Um, and we signed stuff for I think three hours. And then we left because it was like 10.30 at that point. Um, and we heard the next day that, yeah, Brandon and Harriet were there until 1.30 in the morning. Um, and he had a, another signing, like, at another store the next day. And I was like, how does he do that? Um, yeah, But that was, was that was like our first experience of, of meeting fans in person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in fact... One of the one of the couples that came to see us that night, years and years later, got back in touch with us. They don't live very far away, and they invited us out for dinner. 
And so we had a lovely, we had a lovely yeah. meeting with them. And they were yeah. like, yeah, I remember Anne Arundel Mills. That's where we met. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Wow. That's great. Yeah. 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 So you mentioned um, this comment of uh, the young man that Wheel of Time saved his life. And it's definitely not the first time we've heard that. We've interviewed a lot of people. We've talked to fans at conventions. And so many people have talked about how the books mean a lot to them and have helped with their mental health. Um, was that that comment, was that the first time you realized that the books were really special? Or was there another time where you started to realize how much of a positive impact these particular books were having on the fans? Well, we we both worked for, uh, and I continue to work for the, the Library of Congress Talking Books program. Um, and so the the power of story has has always um we've always been aware of that um whether whether it's you know these particular stories or other material that that people have uh found you know uh important in their lives i don't i mean in that regard i think that story to me is is just typical of uh what stories do in general um it's and this particular this particular um group of stories the the number of times throughout where you know because like I'll bring up books to prisoners there when when we've done fundraising like that we'll get letters from people who say thank you for doing that because I got I was first exposed to Robert Jordan and the Wheel of Time while I was incarcerated and for some reason, it really spoke to a, a large number of people in that particular situation. Um, and uh, that that's that's one of the joys. I mean, everybody's job to a certain degree always contributes to the world or can contribute to the world. I feel very fortunate that we've gotten the direct feedback and you can kind of see that and that, yes, what you do is important because it really has a huge, huge impact on the quality of their life. Um, and I think, well, when Robert Jordan died, it was like there was a lot of despair, partly because we want the story to end. <laughs> Um, we want conclusion. Yeah. We want, you know, that catharsis of 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 resolution, so to speak. So when when Brandon was first hired, um, there was so much excitement, and you could tell then that okay, this series is speaking to a wide group of people, and they are very invested in this. Um, and then the fact that. Brandon and the team were able to synthesize all of those notes um, into the three books that ultimately became the the ending. Uh, you could tell you knew that because of the excitement that was out there. And by then, we were starting to get some feedback um, from other, well, partly from the publishers because they were like, "Oh, we have to do our, we have to do due due diligence here because this is important to a lot of people." Um, uh, so that, that was kind of the typical response in a way. And then going to what the two Watcon, that was, that just kind of blew you away. At least it blew me away. I'm, 
uh, Kate can talk for herself on that, but but equally it was blown. A, yeah, um, <laughs> it was astounding. Um, and I, you know, I can still remember the, the first table we were sitting at. We had gotten there, I think, you know, about half an hour before the first dinner, and then sitting at a table with complete strangers, and and the 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 wide range of individuals who were at the table. A truck driver who was like, "Yeah, yep, this is this story is so important to me. This is what gets me through. This is what, um, you know, this is." why I haul from, you know, X to Y, you know, it's, it's, it was really amazing. And the spirit uh, of the people that were at WatCon was, was truly amazing. Um, because there was such acceptance, didn't matter what you looked like, or, you know, who you were in this, in the outer world, so much as you're here. You're part of this community, um, and that's all that's that, that's all that really matters. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up WatCon because that was actually the next question on our list. Um, mm -hmm. You know, fast forwarding ten years from this first time that you met fans at this book reading, book signing, mm -hmm. you've now been to two WatCons. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I know Michael, you kind of. Yes, infamously. Guests of honor. Um, Well-known, well-loved people enjoy hanging out with you late into the night. I see you've got your glass there, Michael. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. Oh, you both do. Lovely. Okay. Mm. Break. What are we drinking tonight? Jack Daniels. Mm. Jack Daniels. Nice. Good choice. Yeah. Now I wish I had brought some. Yeah. <laughs> go get one. Take a break. I'll have to go get it. <laughs> All right. After this question, I'll yeah. go get it. Um, yeah. So, Kate, maybe you could speak to what has your experience been like at, at those WatCons? Did you have the same kind of feeling that Michael did? Yeah. I mean, we, you know, embarked on the first one not knowing, not having any idea what it would be like at all. And um, I am not someone who enjoys going to places where there's a big crowd of people, um, especially where I feel like something is expected of me. Um, mm. I'd like to lurk around the walls and <laughs> observe and then decide if I'm going to reveal who I am or, you know, what I'm doing there. Mm -hmm. But the thing that was so, um, and, and even like at the very beginning with the people who were planning it. So, I mean, hats off to Nabless, just an incredible guy. Um, he reminds me of some of the best theater people that we've worked with in that mm -hmm. there's an enormous amount to do. There's a ton of organizing. It's all about communication. And he maintains this gentle, firm push forward where mm -hmm. you never feel unheard. You always feel taken into account and um it's very calming it's the opposite of pressure and to really organize a big event like that and make sure that everybody has everything that they need while remaining calm and keeping everyone else calm is and amazing funny. and funny yeah. well that and humor helps so mm -hmm. when we showed up it was um, it was daunting and startling to have all these people kind of act like 
they knew me mm. by virtue of the fact that they'd listened to my voice for hundreds and hundreds of hours. Mm -hmm. So they do know me. It's just I didn't know them. And so it's this funny relationship. Um, I think that's why I made a point of staying up so late and talking to people because it was like, well, this is my time. I get to know you now. You tell me your story, you know. And that was um, that was just remarkable. And it wasn't too huge a crowd. It wasn't thousands of people. It was just hundreds, which is still <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> and and the um, the sort of innate um, understood social contract was what was really impressive to me. I never got a sense that anybody was anything other than being included, being encouraged, um, being accepted. And more than anything, I don't know that I've ever had that experience anywhere else, ever. So in terms of where I would put that experience, above and beyond the fact that it has to do with what con has to do with the wheel of time it has to do with this work that we've done over the years above and beyond that it's like oh i just got a glimpse at how society can be and these people do it effortlessly like it's natural and i came home and i was like can i swear i came home and i was like why can't it be like this everywhere? What's stopping us, you know? Yeah, we wanted to ask you about that because that's been our experience too. And, um, you know, we've been to several conventions, not just WatCon. And I can totally relate to what you said about wanting to be a lurker and not really wanting to show who I really am to people, especially not a large group of people. I mean, we're, most of us are very introverted book nerds. So like, why would we ever go to a room full of people like that? But um, I think we've found that that is the case about everyone being really accepting and kind, just innately supportive. Um, and not tolerant of people who are intolerant, I think, you know, and just being um, lovely people. Uh, and you spoke about this, Kate, really eloquently on the Voices of the Cosmere video um, that came out, I think it was, was it last year on us? I can't remember when it was maybe right, like, around right the time. Around. Yeah. yeah. Tress yeah. was released. Yeah. Yeah. Tress. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Around January. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I would like to read what you said, just in case some of our listeners haven't seen that video. And I'm reading this knowing that I'm reading it to an audiobook narrator. So I will try to do what you said justice. <laughs> you do you. So, you do you. Okay. So you said, if you were to write down all of these directives, how to create a perfect society that had everything to do with how to be accepting of everybody in that society, these people are walking around living those principles and they're not written down anywhere. It just feels innate. It, I feel like there's a connection between the types of stories, what they do for people, how people resonate with them, and it's lovely. So what 
What did you see that made you feel like the fandom is living these principles? Were there certain things you noticed or did you, what made you say that? I think the thing that impressed me was that in a really, you know, we live in a very competitive world. And in many cases, it's a matter of life or death. Like if you do not succeed, you die. And the story has a lot of those elements. The, the story of the Wheel of Time, there are life and death moments. There are fight to the death moments. It's not a story about like puppies and unicorns, right? There's like bad things and there's pain and there's, you know, there's trauma. hardship and yeah. trauma. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and accountability. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and, I think what really struck me about the experience of observing and meeting the people at WatCon was that um, there was there was never a sense of anybody being pushed, being walled off or challenged in a in a in a mean way there was a lot of joking there was a lot of banter back and forth there was a lot of kind of you know almost like jockey behavior you know there was a lot of sort of like oh yeah 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 you know you've got this well i've got that but underneath it all there was this like bedrock of we're all here because we all love this story and we all accept each other for whoever we are. And I just thought that was remarkable. I, I don't know what the other Wheel of Time conventions are like. I can just imagine them being... They have the potential to be very competitive, right? Like I got the best costume and yours is less. And, and so at WatCon, what I thought was so special was how everybody celebrated everybody else's contribution. And I thought that was remarkable. That's something like teachers work their whole lives to get that feeling in the school, you know, parents try to teach that to their children. I mean, it is something that is devoutly to be wished. And, and I knew this was the first time a lot of these people were actually together in person. It was the first gathering that Nablus had organized, the first. And, and I'm like, whoa. you just open the door and all these people come in and they just behave this way. How remarkable. Yeah. Now, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, a lot of, you're right, a lot of uh, the people who were there that first time had not met before, maybe had met or talked online in some other capacity. But a lot of, and there's apprehension when you go to, you know, a, 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 a gathering like this. But in the back of at least my mind going into that was, um, a certainty that 
these are people. There is a reason that I wanted to go. I'm, I'm someone who does not want to go to gatherings like this. And the fact that I made that decision to be like, hey, I'm going to get on a plane, spend three days in Ohio <laughs> with a group of people <laughs> that, that, you know, uh, that I have not met maybe before. It's just um, it, there is something that is um, that, that you, you want to accept, that you want to be there to be with these people. And th I think that shows in, in the things you mentioned. So, yeah, no, it's 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 um, it's wonderful. Yeah. And I think one of the things that um, maybe sets WatCon apart, and, and I'm speaking out of ignorance because I've never experienced any other Wheel of Time convention, but I think the fact that it focuses on content creators, it focuses on people who aren't just absorbing the story, they're also creating mm. around the story. Um, that made it really special. Some of the panels were outrageously interesting. And so you already have this, it's, um, it funnels interest and takes pressure off appearance and puts it onto action and content and discussion. And I thought that was really interesting because if that kind of thing weren't happening, I don't know how long the story would exist. The fact that people find it interesting enough to then spin off, spend hours discussing, study the old language, I mean... <laughs> this is like Klingon yeah. territory. We actually yeah. know the guy who created the Klingon language. Nice. <laughs> and that's like, that's a labor of love. I mean, and that is a big, big thing when you're talking about creating a, an unknown foreign language. That's extraordinary. Yeah. It's like when, you know, you have an expertise in something and you, you work and, you know, you, you do that for work. But this is something that you really love. And it's, you know, you call it a hobby, call it a passion that is not what you do for for work. Now, you put together these people who are, you know, experts in whatever, you know, you know whatever they do in their uh, in their life. And now this is a passion that they have. And now you're working together and bringing these great minds. And yes, what the, the, the result of that would be amazing panels that you cannot plan for. And that happens kind of organically because this is something people really, you're not just there because you, well, I have to do this because X, Y, Z. It's because, no, I really want to do this. Um, yeah. And so, you know, speaking about that, was there a panel that, you know, comes to mind and, or a moment in, at WatCon within that, you know, uh, experience with panels that, that stands out to, to either of you? Well, anytime you let Matt be the MC, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> He works a crowd like nobody I've ever seen. And this is not panel discussion. This is like the 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 stuff that goes on in the big room when he's in charge. He is a master, master of ceremonies. I mean, just so quick, so kind, so mm -hmm. funny, so fast, and knows how to like keep the ball in the air. It never drops when he's yeah. in charge. 
Panel-wise, what was I the think... one that we did where everybody was collaborating on? It was the Outrigger, right? That was this last one. This last one, the the one where, yeah, there were three scenarios, or they had basically three different, these were potentially the next generation, so the to speak. The fourth age, I think, yeah. Right, yeah. and and so what, and and three scenarios, and then the people, and then how, how could those pick one? Of, and there were twenty people in this, so and then and then, and then why or how would that would that particular limb of the story get expanded into the next generation? Um, and it was, again, part of it had to do with the people being very familiar with all of the the canon so you can draw on some of the threads and which ones would get put into there um much like i think what's happening right now with with the uh the television series in terms of you have threads that you're going to you're going to take one and you're going to leave 20 behind because you just mm -hmm. don't have time for it and that's partly what mm -hmm. this what that particular panel was my favorite panel i think was from the first year when um, we, we actually saw one of them. We, it, it was consisted of a bunch of, of things that, uh, I can't, I can't, I'm terrible with names, but they had written and or were working on in terms of parodies. Um, one of them being the, the bit about, um, that was all the spit takes that that happened. Um, <laughs> they, they did that. And again, it was just creativity, but in a, in a great, funny way to the point where they they couldn't they couldn't hold it together uh, and you know <laughs> much like Tim Conway had would be cracking up the Carol Burnett show um they were cracking each other up um i i what what's amazing to me about the uh is the the many different ways this story and this group is influenced i mean it, it, because not everybody wants to be, you know, it's like, who do they find? What's what's the storyline that this person is following? Right. Um, what's the, what's the, who are the characters that, that really speak to them? We have a, we both work on the stage uh, or have had uh, in years past. And one of the things uh, that Kate would say was that you have to remember every night, somebody's coming to see this show and the character you play regardless of what that character is is the character that that audience member is seeing you as themselves it's there it's how they can identify and that mm -hmm. is so empowering um and it, it's surprising sometimes which characters are are those characters how do they see themselves and how it and and the validation or the just the to recognize yourself in that setting is such an amazing validation of who you are uh, and you feel that when when you're talking to the fandom so to speak um and i was always just amazed at just the diversity of who people identified with um mm -hmm. uh and and because of course those are the ones that I identify with, but you know that's not uh, that's them. I'm sure they're going what him who her no really. Uh, but um, that to me was really exciting, and it's why the conversations never stopped. Um, I, I I remember 
that first Saturday night of the of the first year, it's like all of a sudden I'm like four hours have gone by. I have not moved, and the, yet there's this all of these people that just kind of come in and have woven in, been woven into this conversation, and we we just keep going. So that that to me was an amazing aspect of the fandom, um, and that's partly too. It's how this story heals. I think that's the word I'm really looking for. There's a, it, it's balm, you know, B-A-L-M, um, to, to, for so many. Uh, and I get that. Um, I understand that. Uh, and I can also understand, you know, part of me says, how can you listen to this, you know, five, six times, that's, you know, 600 hours or, you know, 3,600 hours if you've done that. It's like, wow, how do you do that? But then uh, I get it because there's a comfort there. There's a healing process that's happening there. There's there's, uh, there's a, a real, you know, when someone says that we had a couple of fans write, don't take this the wrong way, but your voice has put us to sleep. Um, <laughs> um, and that's, and and then talking to them because I'm running into them um, and finding out, yeah, it's the safe space. It's the safe space in their life. Um, and we all need safe spaces, um, especially now. So, Yes. I think um, getting back to why people relate more to certain characters than others... I love watching people in their costumes um, because you never know. You never know who they're going to choose. And some of them have several changes of clothing. Mm -hmm. So they may be one person one night and you're like, oh, you're that person. And then the next night, there's someone completely different. And the creativity, again, with the costume building is wonderful. And the fact, uh, the fact that everybody feels free. I know, who did I talk to? I know the first year that we were there, I think there were a couple of people who were, they had made costumes and they weren't sure that they were, going to be able to like do the walk across the stage and then they ended up doing it and they felt great that would not have happened if they didn't feel that they were in a sort of accepting inclusive encouraging positive community so like to come together in a bunch of people who don't know each other and have instant community <laughs> Add water and stir. Yeah. That was amazing. Just amazing. Mm -hmm. So like the second year, people had already had that experience. It was the second time. There were people there for their first time. But that first time, that was like, oh, I'm watching something incredibly, incredibly special. Yeah, we feel really lucky to be part of it. And um, I think one of my, we've, we've talked about many theories on why. Um, and one of my thoughts is that sense of belonging that you talked about and seeing yourself reflected 
not only in the books, but within each other. And I think coming off of the pandemic, people had been so isolated, so very alone, and, you know, probably focused more on work and survival than anything else. So to come back from that to this world of belonging and community and discussion and creativity, I feel like that's really it was just sort of the perfect mix of things that came together. And that's why we all feel so close so quickly and, and feel so comfortable with each other. And um, so much so that we've actually talked about, like, maybe we should start a commune. Like, if we're this perfect society, like, why don't we just, like, go buy a castle in Germany and let's all live there, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I wanted, to, I wanted to ask the two of you, if there was a Watt commune, would you join it? Oh, I'm not a joiner. That's the problem. Um, I would visit. I would definitely okay. visit regularly, yeah. regularly. <laughs> but I would, I would, I would probably, I would probably not be able to commit to one particular community. I like having yeah. overlapping circles, many of which mm -hmm. have no idea the other exists. Mm -hmm. I yeah. feel safe when I'm not too well-known. Gotcha. But Michael would join, Michael would join, and he would run the garden. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, we need a gardener. That sounds good. <laughs> My inner loyal coming out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, Michael, you mentioned a couple of words. Uh, you, know, you mentioned the, the healing aspect of it, and it was just funny that I was just looking at, you know, what we... The small blurb that we wrote on our um, our description of what the lights work is all about. Uh, this is what we wrote. We wrote, two sentimental fans discussed the healing power of the Wheel of Time fandom and their own obsession with creating and amplifying great fandom moments. And then you mentioned safe spaces. And one of the things that we s have spoken a lot about um, is that, uh, you know, going to, you know, these conventions, but every week we you know have the dusty wheel and many other uh youtube shows live streams where uh -huh. for me you know wednesday night is joining that chat room and being with people and it's you know coming into you know it's like coming into a space where i can let go of everything else for that yeah. couple of hours and uh -huh. um that's amplified in such a big uh manner when you're together um, for you know, mm -hmm. two to three days, yeah. So it's uh, it, it's just it was it's great to hear those words from you because we've said that I, I feel like so many times, and just um, someone who's you know you're part of the our fandom, um, but not maybe in the way that we've been for the past four years with um, this social media kind of content creation that's that's happened and everything. So, but yeah, it's it's great to hear that. And all of you know the story so much better than we do. That's the thing. Because yeah. we, we have not spent the last 20 years reading and rereading The Wheel of Time. We read it once. We narrated it. Yeah. We have not been... I actually have begun a reread 
because it has been driving me crazy that people will make references. And I'm like, I don't have an idea what you're talking about. I don't remember that parent. I don't remember that event. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually in Lord of Chaos right now. And I'm working my way through the books. Um, and it's fascinating for me to see, oh, I remember this bit really clearly. Mm-hmm. That was one of my bits. That was one of the ones I recorded. And yeah. then um, this whole stretch that Michael did, I might have skipped it. I just might have not even read it. Because we were under pressure to like, oh, you yeah. got to get this done. Mm-hmm. So um, it's very interesting to to do this reread and to sort of revisit the story. The characters are completely clear. That was what was amazing this past year when we, the two readings that we did. Um, because uh, the great hunt to me, it was always kind of, I always kind of like, I thought of it not, it wasn't that great. And then to go back to it and to read those two sections, then I was like, oh my God, he's <laughs> really crafting this well. Um, and I know in the moment it's like, okay, the, so much of it because, because he had a bigger arc. He knew the arc that he was taking, uh, the characters on. We didn't as the narrators, you know, you're kind of like on the front lines, so to speak. And so you're making choices sometimes based on a gut feeling, mm-hmm. um, and, the number of times, and part of it is again, this is the writing. He's he's put the all of the hints right there. There, you know, if you read it closely, yep, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, but to go back to it and to re-encounter it, it was like, oh yeah, this was really, really well written and really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, the one thing I want to say. And this was not something I knew at the time other than I suspected, which is I suspected he was a veteran that he had served. Um, and that, to me, is so important to these books. Um, the Because there's a... He's bringing that alienating experience of having fought in a war... Uh, and making it real in this in this series in a way that you know it, it, he's earned his stripes so to speak in in that when he talks about the pain when he talks about the you know when what Kate was saying earlier about there are consequences people die in this uh and that is something that he lived and it comes across in the writing and i think that for people in regular life, yeah, people, there are major consequences in my life if actions are not taken properly. Um, and these characters know that and they have that. And, uh, and then how do you deal with it if it goes wrong? Because that's part of it too. Um, and that's really, that to me is more interesting in some respects than anything else. Because how many times does Rand make a mistake where people are hurt? Yeah. And has to live with that. 
and that and in our own lives how many times do you do something where you've made a mistake and someone else paid for that um and then you have to figure out how to how to live with that and you may not be able to heal it you may not be able to change that um and that that to me is part of what is in this book too or in these books too in terms of of confronting those moments when yep i messed up and i have to live with that fact uh and that's that's really that sometimes is harder than anything else uh i, I think there's so, also a, a huge focus on doing the work to prepare so that you do not make mistakes all of the work that the Aes Sedai do, all of the training, all of the work that the Aeel do, everybody is in training. And it, it's always about, you need to pay attention because the moment you stop paying attention is the moment you're going to make a mistake and that is when people will get hurt and you are responsible. So in a way... It's like, oh, parents, steer your child toward the wheel of time because they will learn <laughs> the message you've been yelling at them that they just in one ear out the other take out the trash. Why? Because you have to learn to be responsible, you know. And I think that's a, that's a really, like the details of the work, which again is like, Anybody who's had any job or been a member of any family can relate to that. Yeah. There's no escaping having to do the work. And in fact, what I love in the story, I, what I love about the people in charge of the training who are all kind of grumpy, yep. you know, and harsh, um, is that they have absolutely no patience for people who refuse to hold themselves accountable. And especially right now in the world that we live in, in the society that we live in, we need that. I want a whole bunch of people to hold themselves accountable. They're not going to, and they're getting away with murder. But I like knowing that there's a, that there's a construct that allows for a world where people do hold themselves accountable and hold each other accountable. That's important. Yeah, yeah. What you were saying about um, Robert Jordan being a veteran, I think that came through in the books and then was really reinforced by the origins of the Wheel of Time, which came out last year, almost I'm a year so ago I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> yeah. I, I got to read the glossary. Michael got to read the book. Yeah. How do you feel about oh, that? Let's give Kate the glossary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was in such a rage the entire time I was reading that book in my pre-read. I was like spitting nails. I was like, how about giving us this information before we started recording the series? <laughs> Would have been helpful. No. <laughs> I mean, fascinating. What a deep dive. So what cool. amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, what was that experience like coming back to it from that angle, from the more academic angle after, you know, I think 10 years had gone by basically after you last read one of the books? It, it made total sense. I mean, yeah. I suspected that right along. I mean, all along. Yeah. It's like, 
yeah, he's he's his fascination with language because he's giving me this name that I I mean I even you know not necessarily being a student of X X and Y whatever it's like yeah I know that that traces back to this and traces back to that and that all of those overtones kind of like like having a, a good glass of wine where you've got there's cinnamon there's chocolate there's oak there's who knows what else in there so when the names came up or when a certain motif would happen you're like oh he's riffing on this and he wants you to think about that even if it's not right there in you know concrete form it's like no sometimes it's just ask the question and then I take it my own way. So it was great to come back to that, um, to to Origins. And Michael did such a fantastic job. Amazing. Of, of, of you know, exploring how his mind was working in terms of the, the process of coming up with the characters' names and the plot line that he was going to follow. Uh, I mean, and that's the other, th- the other thing of... of What's fascinating to me is how Robert Jordan becomes a writer. Yeah. You know, here he is. He's a physicist. He's a nuclear physicist. <laughs> Come on, let's put that, 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 you know, he's a veteran and a nuclear physicist. And then he starts writing Conan. <laughs> you know, I mean, so in that regard, the, and that's one of the things that's fascinating about WatCon is that there's so many people that are that have all those different hats. Yeah. They're right. they're a school teacher, but they're a music performer. They're you know, they're they're writing dialogue, they're crafting shows, they're they might be the camera person on the show. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. there there's all of these things so that you don't you know, it's like his life, to a certain degree, is exactly what what WatCon kind of exemplifies in that you have all of these people, doesn't matter what you do, you're a nuclear physicist and you're a writer, you know, um, you can do it all. Uh, and, and why not? Um, that's, that's really exciting uh, because, it, one, it just, it allows a whole... The, the range of experiences he brings into his writing is just very different from a lot of other writers. And, you know, his fascination with names is one thing. Some of his literary style, yeah, we can question that. That's fine. But he knew what he wanted to do. I also think one of the, you know, we we have been theater artists for most of our careers and one of the things that you learn when you do theater is that many minds are always um, um, more productive than just one mind. And that's the whole issue of collaboration. There's another, there's a great saying. Um, what is it? Oh, I'm terrible. Um, hacks borrow. Artists steal. Geniuses steal. No, artists yeah. oh, is artists, the saying okay. that I know. And so okay. and so the 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 idea is don't be don't be half hearted. If you want yeah. to produce something 
create something, steal it from elsewhere, make it your own. Mm -hmm. And so reading The Origins of the Wheel of Time, I was like, oh, this is so smart. He didn't try to create the entire world out of his own brain and his own limited experience. He reached out to every mythology everywhere, and he drew threads from each of those mythologies and multiple different cultures. And then it's like, yeah, then you got a wealth of material to work with because you're not sitting there trying to create it all by yourself. You're stealing from all these different places. Yeah. And then you have and then those you're moments. bringing them together, and then that's mm -hmm. when it gets really wonderful. Yeah, those moments yeah. of genius where you're like, "Oh, let's corrupt the male half of the power. Let's <laughs> let's 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 flip the patriarchy on its head and make it a matriarchy all of a sudden. Let's yeah. let's challenge everything else and and see where that takes us, and not be afraid of that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, just okay." What does that mean? What is how does that how does that challenge us as human beings? And that that to me is what that to me is why this this these stories are going to go a long way because they they are they challenge the patriarchy, um, unlike anything else. Uh, and he's doing it at the height of Reagan. I mean, come on. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. 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 So. Uh, in that regard, it's like, yeah, all right. And that's someone who's clearly looking at the world and going, there's things that are wrong. Um, how do we fix them? Not giving you answers, just asking the question. So, yeah. No, it's wonderful that, you know, you, you, you talked about Origins of the Wheel of Time. It's just, you know, sometimes when you get a, you know, when you pull the curtain and see what's behind, it can be, you know, you get too close to your heroes. You know, there's always this, you know, feeling that how will this book turn out? But having someone like uh, Michael Livingston write it, who is a huge fan of the books, who is a fantasy writer on his in his own, uh, he uh -huh. a, a medieval historian, a war, a, an expert in warfare. It, you know, bringing all of that together and looking at the life of um, you know Robert Jordan and how he wrote this book. So it's just it, there's no way this book could have been written in the way it was written. Um, if all those things didn't come together and, and it was all those things showed within the book that this is someone talking about who can talk about all these things in, in, in a great way. I'm still thankful that, that Kate got to do the glossary. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Okay. So unfair. So unfair. <laughs> was this, uh, uh, you know, just uh, the, the short straw? Is that, is, that, is that what happened? Rock, paper, scissors? How, how did that... How did that... <laughs> Oh, that was predetermined. Oh, wait, so, that was just the way it okay, was told so it was going to be. You want you want to know what it's like? Do you have a copy of the book? <laughs> yeah, do you? Yeah, we have lots yeah, of copies. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> you shut yourself in a cupboard, and you hang a hairbrush <laughs> in front of your face, and you take a torchlight, and then you read the glossary aloud, and then come and talk to me. <laughs> I, you really don't have any feelings about this at all. No, none. <laughs> Absolutely none. 
thank you. Thank you for, for, for yes, thank for you. You the did the lights work. You did the lights work, yes. Kate. Thank, thank you so much. You. I did. I did the lights work. It was shining through me the entire time. You did. Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, actually, that, that reminds me of another question we like to ask everybody, which is, has anyone ever done the lights work for you? in some way, shape, or form, ne- not even necessarily Wheel of Time related, but just some act of kindness that maybe took a lot of effort um, that was just really meaningful to you in some way. So many. Oh, so many. I mean, I look back. There, I can, I, there there are names, there are people that, that, you know, it's like in high school, uh, I can remember I had mentors of, you know, guys who were a year or two older than me that just took me under their wing and kind of showed me the ropes. And the same thing professionally. Um, you know, somebody said they either gave you that job that got you in the door or they kind of pulled you aside and said, try it this way. Or, or just kind of bucked you up and said, you're doing fine. You're doing well. Put that fear aside. Good for you. Um, yeah, there's, there's. I mean, we all have that. You can't, you know, you. Nobody does it by the by themselves, um, at all. You. You can't. I think for me, I, I put the like. There are different buckets. So there's the sort of. There's the family bucket and there's like family members who step up and do things for you and show you that they see you, explain something about your family to you, do some very, very kind thing for you. There are also, there's a total stranger bucket and you often experience those things when you're traveling. And you're in the middle of nowhere, and you don't know anyone, and someone appears at just the right moment and does the most incredibly kind thing that saves whatever catastrophe is about to happen. And they leave, and you never see them again. Especially now, like, I took a year off college and drove around the States by myself, and that's pre-cell phone, pre-email, Nobody knew where I was. I was completely alone. And there were so many times when I ran into people who did something helpful and kind. And what are you going to give me your mailing address? I'm going to like write you a letter in 10 years. You'll have moved. It will never be. We didn't. It was always that sense of I'm doing you this nice thing how can i repay you you do it for someone else right that that whole thing yeah yeah so yeah yeah and i think the world is is full absolutely full of examples of people helping and it's important to remember that because we can all start to feel like it's a very dark, bleak place, and people are just mean, and it's not true. Yeah. yeah. That idea of paying it forward, we've talked about within the fandom how so many of us have 
been generous with others because someone was that for us. And so it just keeps going and it's this like amazing domino effect and it's um, just really nice to see. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a, an apprenticeship in life, too, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah. 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 That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, so in, in addition to, you know, you doing the lights work with sharing your voices with the fandom, not just the Wheel of Time, but a lot of the work you've done, you've also, you know, you also do the lights work with your charity work with Books to Prisoners. Um, so tell us how, you know, what made you choose that specific uh, charity? How, what how did that kind of collaboration and journey start for you? Well, uh, part of it started. Um, we were, you know, we were getting all these requests for, um, you know, greetings or something, and it gets into this kind of weird place of, well, I, I don't want to be charging money because that's not. It it just feels wrong to do that, and or all of a sudden you can that can be its own thing and it's not it's not what we're about because the the work that we do is more about let's tell the story um but then uh, a number of years ago like five or six i think it was maybe longer i part of my job at the library of congress every now and again i get called on to be the voice of god um that means that you're you, there's an uh, an event happening in an auditorium, and basically, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please sit down. You know, it's like, you know, God mm -hmm. is speaking, whatever. And mm -hmm. I, he's not for, allowed to use that voice in our house. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, the particular event was the literacy awards that were happening at the Library of Congress, and the keynote speaker talked about poverty, um, and his his basic address was one of the first things that has to happen to break poverty is you have to increase literacy um, because illiteracy, illiteracy is, a, is a recipe for political disaster, but it also becomes this ceiling that controls how far you can go um, because you can't communicate. You just simply can't communicate. So everything has to be all of a sudden oral. Um, and, you know, if you're going to move forward, you have to be able to, to be literate. Um, and so part of what we wanted to do when we were getting these requests, how can we support literacy? Because how can we, you know... Um, and so we looked into any number of, of organizations, and um, I think Kate can talk about how we specifically landed on books to yes. prisoners but so um, what we would do is we would we would say you know please make a contribution to um to a books to prisons program in your state and then people would say well i um can you name one like i don't know how i i don't know how to find and so i was spending all my time looking at like what programs exist in Connecticut, in Arizona, in... <laughs> and then I'm like, this is stupid. They just want to be told where to send the money, right? right. Mm, so yeah. then I was... I had already done a bunch of research on prison books program and books to prisoners in Seattle serves all the states, is the oldest prison books program. And I was like, well, there you go. Perfect 
match. Um, and so I, uh, we, we wrote to them and we were like, hey, we want to raise funds for you. We want to put a page on our website. Is that okay? And they're like, um, yes. <laughs> Please feel free. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what's been amazing is that we've done, we did, I think, I want to say this was the first virtual reading that we did was for SpoilerCon. Is that right, Michael? Can you remember? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And and way back, and that was when we had, I think, first started raising funds for Books to Prisoners. And then um, we we were starting to get requests for, like, public readings and podcasts and things. And that was when we started sort of saying, yes, we can do this if you make a contribution to this organization and SpoilerCon is one of the groups who they loved the organization that we support so much they've basically adopted it as theirs and a number of people have told their friends about it and sort of it has spread beyond our own reach which feels really good and again because I think there is a connection between People who love the Wheel of Time, I think, can relate to the issue of incarceration and want to help. So we will put related links in our show notes. Um, mm -hmm. But if people listening want to make a donation to Books to Prisoners and or have you read something for them, how do they go about doing that? So on our website, there's a page and it's labeled Books to Prisoners. And there's a contact <laughs> form, and you fill out the contact form. You can write what you want us to say. You send that form in, and it goes to our website inbox, and we write back. And then you send us a copy of your donation receipt. And when we have that in our hot little hands, then we record your greeting and we send you a link to the MP3. Awesome. Well, I hope that some of the folks listening will take you up on that offer or just make a donation if they want to, because um, it sounds like a really amazing um, charity that, that kind of speaks to some of the same themes that we hear in the books. Um, mm -hmm. So thank you all for doing that. I think a lot of us wouldn't have even heard of that charity if you all hadn't been you know, promoting it. So it's fantastic. Outside of The Wheel of Time, have there ever been any other books that you've narrated that are really special to you or led to unexpected opportunities like this? So I have a number of um, series that I'm very fond of. And one of the ones I might be fondest of, although I don't have favorites, is a series written by a wonderful writer named Sherry Thomas. And it is the, um, it's the, it's a female Sherlock Holmes in Victorian England. Um, the, the main character engineers her expulsion from her family as a way of finding her liberation. <laughs> <laughs> she's a 
She's a glutton. And so one of her expressions is maximum tolerable chins. She measures how many chins those cream puffs have given her. And when she gets to a certain number, she's like, nope, I have to abstain until I, until I have reduced the number of chins. And of course, she's living in a time when women are just supposed to be pretty and complacent and blah, 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 blah. And she's the smartest person in the room always. She mm -hmm. can figure out any of these um, mysteries. And she's living at a time where that's a disadvantage for a woman to be that mm -hmm. smart. And I love the series. The characters are great. The, the plot twists are impossible to um, anticipate. It's super well written. Um, so the author's name is Sherry Thomas, and it's the Scarlet Lady. I, I'm terrible. I can't remember the title. Um, but the, the Charlotte Holmes is the name of the heroine. Um, that's one of my favorites. Awesome. We'll put the link in the show notes for that as well. Great. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I mean, I got to do a lot of Donald E. Westlake stuff and his, also under his other pen name of Richard Stark, which I absolutely adore. I got to do some Wendell Berry that I absolutely adore. Mike Carey, uh, I would read anything he's, you know, written and I got to do some of his stuff. Um, one of the things that's happened in the last few years is we have a lot of independent writers coming to us now. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I got to say that I've had four or five um, that I, I, I love humor in writing. And, uh, and, and I've been blessed with four or five laugh-out-loud books that are just great. Um, recently, also... Uh, I got to read a, a book called Advent Nine by, uh, is it T. Allen Horn, I believe is his name, um, that uh, there wasn't a misplaced comma in this book. Um, and it's a superhero uh, novel. Um, and it's, it's, it's just brilliant. But, you know... That's what's exciting. It's like, to me, there's all these great old authors, and now there's all these great new authors coming in. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, really, really exciting. I mean, I'm working on a book right now um, that I'm like, this this guy can write. Oh, my mm. God, he's so much fun. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and challenging in the sense that, you know... Uh, I'm glad that I have 30 years of experience because I need every lick of it to to tackle this stuff. And that was part of, the, you know, in terms of the wheel mm -hmm. of time. When you've got 600 hours of material, how are you going to keep the characters changing? How are you going to keep them distinct? Um, mm -hmm. But also, I think, you know, he was writing, it's like, okay, we're, you know, we're 400 hours in. I'm going to give you this this thing. And it's like, yeah. I went, yeah, yeah. so you, you have carte blanche in terms of I can choose to, to a, a technique or a form. The idea is 
just tell the story and that's what he's that's what he's written so that's what i gotta do um and that's that's always exciting yeah. So, yeah. so my my the author that I was just talking about, um, her name is Sherry Thomas. The first book is called A Study in Scarlet Women, and it's the Lady Sherlock series. And there's a new one that's coming out that I'm going to be doing the beginning of next year. Um, nice. But our independent authors, we just, I mean, the timing of this was kind of witchy redid our website, put a page on there that said, hire us, and a contact form for anybody who's interested in self-publishing, launched the mm -hmm. web website in January of 2020, and in March, everything shut down because of COVID. Right. So by June, 50% of the work that we were doing was coming from independent authors who were self-publishing mm -hmm. their audiobooks. Because again, yeah. the technology has changed. It's really easy to mm -hmm. produce an audiobook. Yeah. And it's been fascinating because, again, many of the people that write to us are fantasy writers and they know us because of the Wheel of Time and because of Brandon Sanderson. Some of them have come from completely other directions because both Michael and I have done a bunch of different genres in in audiobooks and so some people will come from a non-fiction perspective or romance or mystery or any of those other things this one woman tabitha kenlan has written a book that was published by a university press they are notorious for holding on to all the rights and not letting you publish an audiobook but they won't publish it themselves and she got the rights back and she got in touch with me and she said, she's low vision, her mother's blind. She wrote this book with the expectation that it would be widely distributed. She wrote it not as a scholarly piece, but in layman's language. It's the history of conduct books. It's basically from like pre-biblical, like you must behave this way if you are going to be considered a nice girl all the way up to like vogue and blogs and it's the sort of direction of how women are told to behave through mm -hmm. history it's fascinating it's so cool they published it then they list it for like 150 dollars a copy and they wouldn't let her do a, an audiobook so she's <laughs> like so people aren't gonna buy it and my mother can't read it so she hired me to read the book so she would have an audio book so her mother could hear it <laughs> <clears throat> and so that it wow. would be more widely available. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like you've accumulated so many interesting stories from telling stories. Like you've just met so many different people and diff had different requests and you're getting the authors, you know, some insight into the author's story while you're working with them. It's, it's really cool. It's like being in never-ending grad school. Mm. Mm -hmm. And if the FBI ever tries to track my website searches, <laughs> they're just going to think I'm insane because they're all over the map. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 
Um, is there anything else you can tell us about stuff that you're working on now? I know, Kate, you just mentioned a few things. Is there anything else coming up for you? Are we allowed to say Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what I, I don't know that. if you are. Yeah, that's what I, I know. Ask, yeah. I'm like, is can you? Because, yeah. <laughs> so there's a really, 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 really big book. <laughs> mm, okay. That we have to reserve at least a month to record. Mm-hmm. That's going to be sometime next year. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we can't say anything more than that. I wonder. No. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. everyone's going to be. I have no idea. Yeah, we have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, that book. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. I hadn't thought about that one or anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, thank you both so much for being with us tonight. We're going to wrap up very soon. Um, we ha- I have one more question for you, and then we're going to do some rapid questions um, mm-hmm. just to get you to answer some quick quick things. It's what we do with all of our guests um, before we end for tonight. Um, so my last question, I've been wanting to ask you this, Kate, since I saw the video, uh, Voices of the Cosmere, where did you get that gorgeous yellow chair? Ikea. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm it can be with it. yours. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up right now. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And yellow is like kind of the lights work color. And so I'm like, we need a yellow chair if the lights work. Yeah. And I'll just re- I'll record the podcast yeah, in the chair. Tax <laughs> We should go sit in, Michael, we should go sit in that chair wearing our T-shirts and take a selfie and send it to them. I would die. I would die. Don't die. Please don't die. (laughs) That would be amazing. Um, Okay, so rapid questions. So these are just quick yes or no, one word answers. Um, So why don't we, um, Anas and I will take turns asking them um, and then... Maybe Kate, you can answer first, and then Michael, and okay. then we'll ask the next question. Yeah. And and okay. and again, their gut instinct—you know, yes or no. First thing that comes to your mind is we we like to say you'll be forever be held to this, but no, this is you know this is just whatever you want to say in the moment. That's what it is. <laughs> and you'll um, cut any profanity. <laughs> what we yeah. do is we 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 um we beep, beep. it out. Yeah, good. we bleep it out. Usually yeah. beep. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you want to start? Um, do you- yeah, sure. Okay. Favorite Wheel of Time book? Oh, you froze. Uh, 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 <laughs> I am freezing. Um, I'm going to say The Great Hunt, but that's because I'm very early on in my reread. Mm. Okay. I think Memory of Light. Okay. Favorite character? Moraine. Can't. Just can't. <laughs> oh, well, I take back my answer. I can't either. <laughs> no, I can't. There's just no way. There's too many. Yeah, there's too many that are just like, oh. Okay. And it doesn't matter which side. They're darker or on the light. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah. No, can't do it. Okay, we'll, we'll try to help you narrow it down then okay. for these next two questions. Okay. Perrin, Perrin, Matt, or Rand? I can't choose. <laughs> <laughs> nope. They refu- okay. She's shaking her head and refusing. Okay. Uh, 
I had so much fun with Matt. I will say that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Min, mm-hmm. Elaine, or Avienda? <laughs> All three, please. <laughs> oh, Min. No question. Min. Okay. Yes. Team Min. <laughs> We're team Min as well. Yeah. <laughs> Not, I love Elaine and Avienda too, but mm-hmm. if I'm asked mm-hmm. the question, I say Min. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, favorite place or culture in Randland? I'm going to say the waste. Uh, the wolf, the, yeah, the wolf culture. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Favorite forsaken. Uh, I need a moment. <laughs> All right, Michael. Okay. Mogadian. Mogadine. Mogadian. Mogadine. That's perfect. <laughs> I think she is a lot of people's favorite right now after watching season two. Sure. Kate, have you thought of your answer? I was going to say her as well. I'll go ahead and say her. Yeah. Okay. Most fun Wheel of Time scene to narrate. This is killing me. (laughs) I can't. I can't. can't. Or or maybe favorite. uh, Well... I yeah, hate. You, I can't do favorites. Yeah, the question, You're asking the question me like, is because okay, fun is a tough. Fun is a tough yeah. word because there's which is the funniest. Would you, by that you mean which one did you have the most fun with, or which one did you like love doing? Um, Probably the latter, right? I think it's supposed to be the first thing oh, okay. that comes to mind. Yeah, this, yeah. There, there is no, there is no right there's or wrong no, answer. There's no right way to okay. interpret it. Yeah. But so this, this, I'm, I'm terrible at things like this because I absolutely hate choosing favorites. I don't mm. like singling out one thing mm. to okay. choose. I'm just gonna go and change the rest of the questions then. <laughs> How about a, a scene you like to narrate? It doesn't have to be your favorite, but just one you enjoy doing. <laughs> from 60,000 <laughs> Okay, so this is I um this is when Matt is writing the play um and I'm trying to remember the characters that he's trying to get to act in the play and they keep interrupting oh, him. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. that was, to me, because of the theater aspect, it was so much fun to do because he became the frustrated playwright as they kept asking <laughs> the obvious questions. How can we do that? <laughs> and I love when Matt loses it, so, yeah. Did you think of one, Kate? <laughs> you are relentless. Um... <laughs> or, or, or a favorite scene, for that matter. Maybe, you know, that, that, that you just remember. You keep using the F word. Uh, yeah, yeah. Stop using it. A memorable scene. I'm going to say one more, because this is, um, this is, this is what was interesting to me. Um, so it's, it's the Monetheran story. Mm. And because, and this is what's been very interesting, I narrated that first. Because that's Rand's POV. Right. Right. So what was really great was to hear Kate do that scene because she'd never re- she'd never narrated that scene because it was not her POV. 
So it was really, I mean, and of course in the television series, um, uh, what's it, Rosalind narrated the scene. Mind. But again, um, uh, so it, it, that to me is, it, but it's just, that was the scene, that scene was when, it, was when the books, it was like, oh my God. Yeah. The scope of this story is very, very, this isn't just an adventure story of, you know, whatever. This has got, this has got legs, this has got meat to the bones, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. the whole, it was like, oh, wow. Okay, get your A game in ready because you're going to need it. Um, and, and that to me was where the, you know, because you're kind of going along, going along, going along, and then all of a sudden that scene happens, and you can just feel the whole nature. The It's like the book opens up, the story opens up into this huge panoramic kind of scene that is you weren't aware of. It was just this little village and these three guys, and then these other two people come in, and Trollocs, okay, fine. No, this is a civilization. It dates back hundreds of years. It, there's there's mm-hmm. epic, there's sweep to this. So, yeah. Well, since Michael gave two, we could let you off the hook, Kate, Thanks. if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I have a million. I, th- here's the problem. I have a million favorite moments. And so mm-hmm. when you ask me to choose one, my brain mm-hmm. freezes. I cannot. <laughs> I cannot. This is why I always choose several whenever I have to do something like this. <laughs> like we do our favorite fandom moment of the week, I usually pick four. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anna only gets to pick one. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, this might be easier. It might not be. But uh, <laughs> a Wheel of Time character voice you enjoy doing. All of them. <laughs> I think um, what what was interesting because this was dual and we were doing all of the voices. We had to kind of try to be somewhere in the ballpark of what the other person was doing, and so some of the. Um, I mean, I love I loved all the, all the women. And then I tried to sort of follow Michael's tone for timber for the men. Mm -hmm. Um, But some of the more outrageous characters, like I loved voicing the Murdral. Yeah. I loved that because it was in human and it should feel as creepy to listen to as it did to voice it mm-hmm. so that's kind of an extreme thing mm-hmm. and then you know Varen is a particular favorite because she is um i can so relate smart. to this so obsessive need mm-hmm. to research and find the answer mm-hmm. and to be so deep in the hole that you walk into a lamppost 
figuratively yeah. speaking, you know. Yeah. But, I, you know, I feel like all of the characters were so precisely drawn, it was really easy to voice them. Yeah. Because every time a character was introduced, you're like, oh, got it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's funny you, you mentioned Vern, and I'm glad you did, because I think Michael had the same moment there where, you know, when you mentioned <laughs> But I think seeing you do to voice Varen at WatCon yeah. was an added layer to that, that a lot of, uh, so if, good. If, you know, yeah. people who were who have not seen Kate, if you've heard Kate voice Varen, you need to see her <laughs> in the act of doing that. It's just so much, it, it, yeah. it adds so much, uh, with, with that theater background, I think uh, that also shines through um, the way, you know, you were, um, uh, acting almost with Michael was just it was great to see. Yeah, yeah. But it is like a full body. Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> voicing is like a full body. <clears throat> it gets weird when you're full body voicing in human, non-human. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Michael, um, oh me. What, what do you? What do you? Yeah. Who do you enjoy? Um, uh, Oh, I can echo exactly what Kate said in terms of that. Um, I mean, I had great fun with Padan Fane. I had great fun with Loyal. Um, all of those big, deep voices were fun. Uh, one that was always kind of, I, I really felt challenged by was um, uh, the, um, come on now. He lives in Rand's head. Uh, Luz Theron. Luz Theron. Yeah, Luz Theron. Just because it was like, you, you have no idea who this person is, as when we, especially at the beginning, and, and he's talking yeah, yeah. in the back of his mind. So it's like, okay, go there. Go there. Go to the mad place. Go to the, <laughs> go to the, you've just killed your wife place. Go to the, um, you know, yeah. not intending to. Go to the... Uh, so yeah, there was there was, like I say, the when you have those big long books, it's like you you have to find everything that you can do. Yeah. Okay, last one, a Wheel of Time character that you would like to have a drink with at WatCon. I'm gonna say Nynaeve. I would like to know more about her anger issues. She might open up if she had a couple drinks, I think. With me. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> 3 a.m. in the lobby. <laughs> Confessions of Nynaeve with Kate. Yeah. <laughs> me twirling my hair, her tugging her brain. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Bale Doman would be fun. <gasps> Um, yes. <laughs> uh, Landfear would be fun. Uh, really? <laughs> uh, uh, oh, Swan. Mm. Oh. How yeah. could you not have yeah. a drink with Swan? You, yeah. you couldn't have one. You'd have to have a whole fistful with oh, Swan. But, um, for sure. Yeah. 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 A boatload. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well done. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for um, fielding those very difficult questions. I really appreciate your answers. Um, I don't. Really, they're just for fun. I don't stand behind <laughs> any of my answers. That's totally yeah, fine. I don't know how we're going to consolidate <laughs> this track, but anyway. <laughs> we will do it. Okay. We've, we've had this experience many times. <laughs> People okay. tend to struggle, yeah. so... Um, okay, Anis, is there anything else you wanted to say or add before we wrap up? No, um, I just wanted to say, you know, thank you um, for joining us, for sharing, um, you know, all the light that, you know, all the work that you do and to giving us, you know, again, some insight into, um, you know, you've maybe talked about some of these things, but the fact that, you know, how important or how uh, the fandom has affected us, it's um, great to see that it has affected you in that same way to some degree and um, mm -hmm. it's just it's good to see that thank you so much for the work that you do uh -huh. thanks you're welcome um, yeah yeah thank you for uh, bringing your light with the audiobooks that you record for people who need them or prefer them for any reason um, it's such an important thing that you do and um, you know people falling asleep to you you're really doing something special for us <laughs> so <laughs> thank you thank you and thanks for being here i can't think of a, a better way to celebrate our anniversary um so uh if you like what we do here at the lights work you can follow us on social media we are on twitter at lights work pod on instagram at the lights work we have a website lightswork.com you can also join our discord server or sponsor us on patreon and until next time, it's your turn to go out into the world and do the Light's Work. The Light's Work is a Wheel of Time fandom podcast hosted by Anas and Grace. The Light's Work is in no way affiliated with the Children of the Light. Please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Follow us on social media or sponsor us on Patreon. Patreon.